Eight o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim the Buckeye Boy. From the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. A couple of breaking stories this morning. Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach. Died in the hospital. Age of 61. After complications related to a heart condition. That Leach donated his organs at the University of Mississippi Medical Center as a, quote, final act of charity. And um, there's a personal health issue at his home in Starksville on Sunday that uh, required him to be airlifted to Jackson, about 125 miles away from Mississippi State. And um, he had told ESPN after the regular season that he struggled with pneumonia during the season but was feeling better. So Mike Leach passing away at the age of 61, like we talked about, the the pirate Mike Leach, a controversial guy, a guy that could be very, very funny. Some people viewed him as very insensitive at times. Craig James' son, not a big fan of him, and he was at Texas Tech, and he allegedly put him in the shed when there were some issues about how he was playing at practice. But yeah, an incredible track record. I think what nineteen of the last twenty-one seasons, his teams were bowl eligible. He was the AFCA National Coach of the Year, twenty eighteen, at Washington State. And so, like I said, a one of the more colorful characters mm-hmm. in the world of college football, in Mike Leach. Yeah, there were three seasons. That he didn't play in a bowl game. One year they were eight and four. I think they were sanctioned or didn't for some reason, maybe. It might have been a punishment. His last year at Texas Tech, they were eight and four, finished in the top twenty five and didn't play in a bowl game. Or he was removed or something. I'm not entirely certain as to Yeah, they played in a bowl, he just was not the coach. So Got them there. Got them there. So two seasons, you're right, nineteen to twenty-one. I mean, including this year. Yeah. Of course, at Texas Tech, you had Cliff Kingsbury, who was coaching last night in the Monday Night Football game for Arizona. Mm-hmm. Graham Harrell, who's gone on to have great success as a college offensive coordinator. I think he was the OC ninety-nine Oklahoma with. Who is that? Josh Heupel? Was the quarterback? I believe so. Yep. Yeah. It was Bob Stoops, mm-hmm. head coach of that team. Year or two before they won the national championship. Also this morning, Chris Beard, Texas men's basketball coach, suspended indefinitely by Texas after he was arrested by Austin police for allegedly trying to strangle a woman who reports believe that it's his wife. This happened like at 4 o'clock in the morning at their home. And so Chris Beard could very well be on his way out as the University of Texas head football coach. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the stories this morning. Um, we're also talking about, is there a path for Nathaniel Hackett to still be the coach of the Broncos in 2023? And did it start on Sunday? with what the Broncos were able to do. Down 27 nothing, 
to Kansas City, dead in the water. It looked like it was it was going to be a boat race by Kansas City. But the Broncos defense comes up with a couple of big turnovers. Josie Jewell with a couple of picks, and then Pat Sertan. Denver's offense able to, to get some things going. Russ had probably his best game as a Bronco quarterback with three touchdown passes. Certainly the best touchdown game in Jerry Judy's career, three touchdown catches. But was that enough, that another one-score loss to the Broncos, but this time to Kansas City in a game where they looked like they were going to be trounced? If the Broncos go out and can compete like that offensively the rest of the season, go out and win, say, three out of their last four, and the offense plays well, does it save the job of Nathaniel Hackett for 2023? It it shouldn't. I still, I'll die on the hill that one score games are coaching, whether you win or lose them. Rockers are 3-8 and eight with an experienced coach when it comes to game management, player management, play calling because he hasn't done that in like four or five years in Green Bay, you know, going back to his Jacksonville days because Matt LaFleur did the play calling in Green Bay. Those all boil down to coaching. And if he's calling the plays, if he gives that up once it starts to go really haywire instead of waiting three weeks, maybe there's a couple others, but there are a lot of these losses that come down to coaching. I know we like to blame them on all sorts of different things because you can't blame Russ all the time, right? People have to find other things to not sound like broken records, whether it's the defense who only allows 10 points and loses in Baltimore, it's their fault, or Brandon McManus can't make a field goal from Annapolis. Twice, twice this yeah. season. Where, oh, why didn't he hit that 63, 64-yard right. field He's goal? He's spotting up from Tacoma <laughs> and Annapolis, and he didn't make it. That's really his fault. You know, this is it's still a lot of it's coaching. Yesterday's, or not yesterday, Sunday's one-score game, maybe not coaching because the Chiefs are just better. Across the board, they're better. One of the than best the teams in the NFL. But the loss in Baltimore to a backup quarterback, the loss to Las Vegas in Denver twice, twice, uh, you know, losing to the Jets, overtime to the Chargers, overtime to the Colts, you know, losing to the Seahawks. That one really stands out because that was all three: game management, you know, bad play calling bad leading of men, right? It just was a terrible performance, a debut for the head coach, and it's kind of gotten worse from there. These, All these games really are on Nathaniel Hackett in some form or fashion, all those losses. So so I guess, yeah, the game, I guess the question I'm, I'm posing to the pile today, Buckeye, is say Denver wins three out of the last four. Let's say going to Arrowhead beating Kansas City, that's going to be tough. Mm Mm-hmm. Not impossible, but tough. But say they win three out of their last four. Say they they get a victory against the Cardinals on Sunday, whether Russ plays or not. The Rams on Christmas Day, they get a win against Baker and the Rams, which is just weird to say the right now. fighting Baker Mayfield. The thing is, is they're worse than three of the four teams they have left. I don't, I don't know if they even win three of four. Yeah, I... I don't know either. They got the, and they got the Chargers after the Chiefs in Denver on January eighth to wrap up the regular season. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm staring four and thirteen in the face right now if yeah. I'm Nathaniel Hackett, and I don't know if you come back from that. Yeah. If you win three of the last four, even for me, it's all right. Let's see what an experienced coach can do with this group. The the problem with the Broncos is that they've been so close in so many games that I mean, I know what you're you're saying, but it's not like the Chargers crushed the Broncos in Monday Night Football. Close loss for Denver. Mm-hmm. A that, different you know, Chargers team now, though. Different di- playing playing better football, but the Broncos' offense, if they are able to build on what they did Sunday, mm-hmm. will be a better football team offensively. You would hope when they when they play January eighth. I I just I just think that it's but this is I mean two separate times. It's tough because it can go either way, right? Because yeah. of all these one score games, you don't know what you're saying. Isn't I'm not saying it's not mm-hmm. valid, but I'm also saying. Considering what you know, the, the number of one score losses they have, it's entirely possible they could win three out of four here. Right, and and, and look at the Raiders, the first Raiders game. They scored twenty three points. Yeah, they lost by nine, but it scored twenty three points. Offense was looking good. Maybe there's some upward trajectory. Scored thirty four points in their next three games, losing two of them in overtime and only kicking field goals in yeah. two of them. So what I'm saying, I. I, there's no proof that this is the start of. We don't a know anything. Yeah, you know, I I watched some of Tim Jenkins' breakdown of Russell Wilson's game, mm-hmm. and Jenkins tends to feel that Russ has maybe settled into a comfort zone. Unfortunately, then took that big hit, and and probably won't play Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. Won't say he is out, but it's it's not looking very promising. I don't know. It's 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 hard to know which way they're going to go, considering right. how the season has gone. They've uh, they've passed 400 yards of offense once back on September 12th. Yeah. They've not sniffed 400 yards since they got 320 this last Sunday. I just I I don't know. I don't see a turnaround coming. And even if even if somehow they win out. And finish seven and ten. I still think that Nathaniel Hackett probably should be done. And we we talked about how the the one and dones typically have not mm-hmm. worked out particularly well because they're going to win in spite of him, not because right. Of him. I, I just think that the circumstances are are different because you have a brand new ownership group, an ownership group that spent a lot of money for this football team, mm-hmm. highest price ever paid for an NFL team. At, the, at, at this moment. And so their patience level is very, very thin. And I don't know if they feel like they they can r- run the risk of another year with the fan base. They they know what's going on. They're, they're re- they read the articles in the paper. They listen mm-hmm. to you know radio and podcasts and, and watch TV. They know what, what Broncos country thinks about Nathaniel Hackett, and it's not positive. Right. Can they afford even if he finishes on a you know and finishes fast here, winning three out of four, and they do finish with seven wins? I don't know. I think too much damage has been done already for for Nathaniel Hackett for him to come back. I can't say it's it's impossible. No way, no how, mm-hmm. because we don't really know. Because this ownership group has not had to face the the challenge of a coach being brought in and failing. They didn't hire him, right? They have not gone through this process before. Good chance they're going to go through the process for 2023. And, and and so I, I just think for Hackett, 
I think I think the chance to come back is already is already gone. Mm-hmm. I and, think that you have six years left after this year for Russ, and I don't know if he plays all six of those. The way he's been playing this year, and you don't know don't, how long George Payton's got, how long his leash is. He if, may be yeah. Black Monday, my birthday. He may be gone too. Who if knows? they don't fix the offensive line, and that's George Payton's job. Yeah, if they don't address the offensive line this off season. Because I think Peyton will be back. I'm not saying it's a it's a guarantee and mm-hmm. put it in stone, engrave it in your coffee mug. But it's more likelihood than nat hack, right? Exactly. I think because I think they're going to give Peyton the chance to fix this offensive line, do the draft through free agency, mm-hmm. feel like they're going to be healthier hopefully in 2023, and then hopefully the pieces will come together. But once again. I don't feel like they think the pieces will come together with Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach because I think that they feel like, and it's not so much the team. I think the team still likes Nathaniel Hackett. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem comes from the perception of fans who are starting to voice their opinion by not showing up to watch Broncos football, giving selling their tickets to their Chiefs buddies mm-hmm. at work. And showing their displeasure, and you can't afford that if you're the the bottom line is fans being engaged with this football team, buying merch, going to games, being involved, being actively involved in consuming your product. And if your product right now is turning them off, mm-hmm. and a guy that's being held responsible for the product being bad comes back for another year, I don't know if that's a risk they can run. I don't either, and. And the ticket thing for me, that's kind of always been there. ASC championship games, a lot of Patriots fans, a lot of Steelers fans in that yard in Denver. So, I mean, that's not necessarily a losing thing. But also, it's that's just an, more stark. Now. Yeah. And, but I also think that's an NFL. We, we see, I mean, we saw plenty of Broncos fans in Carolina. Right. You see plenty of Broncos fans at Charger games at SoFi. Because you can recoup the ridiculous amount of money you have to spend on season tickets. By selling them to people much more willing than you to sit outside in December or January yeah. and watch a team put together a terrible performance, more than likely, which is what you're going to get at Broncos games. So you're more than likely able to make up the money you've had to spend for those. All right, so let's get some sound yesterday from Nathaniel Hackett of the Broncos Presser. This is about uh, Russell Wilson's status. He w- he's going through the concussion protocol that we have in place, that the NFL has in place, that we all have in place uh, to make sure that he's healthy and, and he's good. He felt great today when we saw him. He looked great, and uh, but we want to be sure that we do everything uh, the right way. All right, there's Hackett on Russell Wilson's status. Once again, going the protocol right now remains up in the air whether he'll play on Sunday against Arizona. Then there was the situation where Jerry Judy came off the field, visibly upset took his helmet off, said something to an official, then then was walking off field and bumped into an official. And Latavius Murray tried to calm him down. He knocked Latavius Murray's hand off his shoulder. He was visibly upset on the sideline. In and, fairness, he didn't know Latavius Murray's actually on his team. That he room's was, kind of been in flux. Yeah, I think, like, I think it was because he, he was just like, I don't know who you are. Because he didn't really look because he was just looking straight ahead. He was, he yeah. was, you know, he was like Ralphie in Christmas Story when he beats up, yeah, Scott Farkas. He, he thought it was just, fra- he's just so angry. He doesn't even know who's around him at he that thought moment. It was just some guy from the stands. Like get off me. So, yesterday Nathaniel Hackett 
address the situation because, number one, can't take your helmet off on the field. Right. Which he did. Can't verbally get into it with an official, which he briefly did. And then he obviously can't make contact with an official, which he did. And Judy acknowledged all these things. He was apologetic after the game about it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, went out and had a three-touchdown game. But here's the thing. He never got penalized for that. Yeah, taking your helmet off, penalty. That's penalty. Bumping the official, penalty. penalty, Usually a disqualification at that point. Yeah. So he he lucked out. He he really got lucky in that game that he didn't get tossed. And he would go on, obviously, have a big impact on that game. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's when they were down like 27 to nothing at that point. Yeah. And, you know, thought he got held, was upset about it. If the Broncos win that game and I'm the Chiefs, uh, I'm beside myself. Like, why Why wasn't there a penalty called? Yeah. There should have been like something. Penalty, co- a, he bumped him. He almost yeah. knocked him over. He with he the trifecta there. Yeah. So. Hey, he did get know. a FedEx this week. <laughs> so it hasn't been made official yet. But Jerry Judy's going to get fined. Could he get suspended? Eh, it's a possibility, but it's not real likely because mm-hmm. a penalty wasn't called. But fined, yes. Here's Nathaniel Hackett on the Judy situation from Sunday. Uh, I was told by the referee that it had happened, so went and addressed it right away. Talked with him. He definitely knew that he was wrong. He, that's unacceptable. You can't do that. Um, we addressed that, and I know that he knows he, he can't do that. I know he was very frustrated at the time, and um, but uh, that's just something you can't do. All right. So here's our bizarre question from the presser yesterday. I'm just going to let, because I, I do have the, the question on here. Mm-hmm. This is a question Nathaniel Hackett was asked and didn't really answer. Well, I'm curious, as you get to the finish line, what you would, you know, if you got a time machine, what would you tell late July Nathaniel Hackett about the next three months of his life if, uh, if they give you that superpower? That's a fascinating question right there, how you worded that one. I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, I think what you're asking is what we're going to say for these next, uh, this next finish of the season. Uh, for us, we're all professionals. I mean, we love this game. We love going out there and competing. Um, we're all paid to come out there <clears throat> excuse me, on Sundays and, and compete. And I, I love this team. I love these guys. They go out there. They've been running with the best teams in the NFL and having a chance to win. They play for each other, and I think that's that's incredible. And and that's what you want. That's what you want to build on. That's the foundation you want to have. That these guys play together. They always have a chance to win, even if you're down 27 to zero. You're going to battle back. And I think those are all the great things that we can build on, that we can show. And uh, we've got four games left, four more opportunities to compete, and that's all you can ask for. And and that's the best part about this game is to go out there and compete every Sunday. Okay, Buckeye, did he answer the question? No. <laughs> Thank no, you. Didn't. I'm sort of going, maybe you would have told yourself it's not going to be as easy as you thought. You're going to have some challenges. Your offense and with Russ is not going to click the way you hoped it would. Mm-hmm. You're on the verge of getting fired. Yeah. Uh I'm just like, at least take a shot at answering that question, right? At least as, okay, as odd as it might be, at least try to answer the question. Yeah, I mean, at least enjoy these questions when you're going to get bounced back to being an offensive coordinator and go somewhere else. Even at this point in a lost season, they're still going to ask you hard questions there. Enjoy this while you can. And and to me, it's not, yeah, that's a softball question. 
You're three and ten, and you ask him that question. Come on, man. What are you if, doing here? If you're Nat Hack, you should you should be going. Well, you is know, this Super Bowl media media day? Exactly. Did I miss something? Is that if the you, if you could? What is your spirit animal? Yeah, is that the Azteca affiliate for KNDR or wherever it I, is? Where they're DNVR Sports? Could it's be. Like, what's your What's your spirit animal? What's your favorite color? If you had a time machine. Come on, are you serious? I mean, it's one thing when when I'm doing like our Scotty's Complete Car Care Center prep athlete to ask him about books they've read or things or teammate that's why. That's Sometimes one thing. Sometimes they're a sophomore and yeah. are 15. <laughs> that's different. You know, it's it's a different kind of interview than at a NFL presser talking to the coach of a three and ten football team. And usually our Scotty's kids have a good week. So exactly. We it's something good to talk about. Yeah, Broncos had a good week. They scored 28 points, season high. They still lost. They still got themselves in a 27 nothing hole with eight <sighs> minutes left to go in the second quarter or whatever the number was. Like, in a quarter and a half, the Chiefs had scored three touchdowns and kicked two field goals. All right, we got Monday Night Football from last night. Come on, man. I know, I just... I... I don't like, blame uh, Nat Hack for not answering the question. No, but, I blame whoever asked him the question. But but to me, if I'm Nat Hack, I'm 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 gonna go ahead and lap that one up. It's yeah. It, it's it's a bowl full of milk. Absolutely. It's a layup. It's it's a little tap in. Yeah. Yeah. I just you know, things were gonna be tougher than what I thought they would be. Or I mean, I don't know, something along those lines. I tell myself to take this job again because these questions aren't all that hard. <laughs> all right, last night was Monday night football. New England and Arizona, where we saw, unfortunately, Kyler Murray, what, just three snaps in, runs to his right, goes to make a move in space, Mm -hmm. goes down, non-contact injury. Kyler Murray, according to all reports, a torn ACL, done for the season, probably wouldn't be back until November of next year. But the Cardinals... They they fall to New England twenty seven to thirteen. New England's now seven and six. Cardinals are four and nine. Mac Jones two thirty five through a pick last night. Pierre Strong five carries seventy yards and a touchdown to lead the Patriots to the Monday night football victory. From the three, first and goal. New England's got it. The quarterback Jones pointing out his protections. Four man front. Looks to the left and looks to the right and gets the shotgun snap. Hands off here. It goes to the running back strong, but a flag thrown. He goes in for the touchdown, running over the guard. All right, last night, Kevin Harlan, along with uh, Kurt Warner on Westwood One on uh, the Team Sports Network as the uh, New England Patriots get the 27-13 victory. Colt McCoy came on for Kyler Murray last night, 27-42-46 Threw a pick last night. James Conner with a touchdown, 85 yards on the ground. Right now looking very much like it's going to be Brett Rippon against Colt McCoy Sunday when the Broncos host the Cardinals here on the team with pregame at noon and a 2.05 kickoff. All right, coming up, we'll have our Broncos report with Mike Rice. But right now it's time to play Triple Play Records Stadium Cinema. Know your sports TV shows and movies? Let's play Stadium Cinema on the team. Yes, the first correct answer on the text line, the Chick-fil-A text line, 970-242-1340, gets our downtown double play with Triple Play, $20 gift certificate to Triple Play Records, and a small antipasto salad, courtesy of our friends at Junction Square. First correctly identifying this upcoming sports movie. 
Remember Marcus Markovich? You gotta make that! Well, he got fired. Marcus, get off the court. That wasn't nice. Nothing but bad news for the Iowa Stallions. What an idiot. There you go. What is that upcoming sports movie? All right. First correct answer. You win the downtown double play of triple play mm-hmm. gift card to triple play records where you can get your disc golf gear and plenty of great vinyl as well on Main Street and a small Anapasto salad from Junction Square Pizza, 7th and Main. If you've won the last two weeks, please sit it out. Text your answer, your answer in now to the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. Our Broncos report with Mike Rice. Brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Time to get in the huddle with the Broncos Radio Network's Mike Rice on the team. And with us right now, our Broncos report brought to you by Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors from 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network. Mike Rice. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm well, Jim. What's going on? Let's see. Mike, if you could have a time machine and go back to the start of the season. I don't know if you caught uh, the, that question yesterday to Nathaniel Hackett, where he was asked, if, if you have a time machine, Nathaniel, and you go back to July, what would you tell yourself? What would Mike Rice if Mike had a time machine, go back and tell himself about this Broncos team in July. Better wait to see what happens before you think you know how something's going to turn out. Because <laughs> I didn't, good. See, I didn't see it turning out three and ten. I mean, I thought there'd be some bumps. I, I don't know that. I mean, I thought it would be a team that realistically challenged for and made the playoffs. That obviously was way optimistic, but. Yeah, I don't think it's worked out the way anyone in Broncos country initially thought it would. I know some people did have some thoughts that, you know, how much, how effective will Russ be? You know, will he be able to lead this team into the playoffs? But I I, I don't know that anybody thought it was a horrendous trade. And I don't know, and and I could be overstating that perhaps, but I I certainly don't think there were many people at all that thought the Broncos would be 3-10 and as they went into game number 14. Mike, you did a much better job answering that question than Nathaniel Hackett did, by the way. Job well done, Mike. I appreciate that. You know, maybe, I I guarantee you that if there is a coaching opening for the Broncos, I will not be applying. (laughs) You will will not be seeking employment for the Broncos in that that area. So uh, so it looks like we, we could see Russell Wilson against, I mean, excuse me, we could see Brett Rippon against Colt McCoy coming up on Sunday, uh, because it certainly does not look good in regard to Kyler Murray. I think there's, it looks like it's probably a season-ending ACL injury, so it'll be Colt McCoy who stepped in last night for the Cardinals. And most likely, I won't say it's impossible, Russ, uh, plays on Sunday, but most likely it's going to be Brett Ripon Sunday for the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, at this point, look, if the Broncos haven't said anything, and, and we'll have some sound from Coach Hackett on this topic in the afternoon report, but I don't, I don't, I would not expect Russell Wilson to play on Sunday. He's in concussion protocol. I doubt we would have an announcement any time today. I think they're going to wait and see how he progresses. That would seem to be the most logical Bankman step, but I think if you're Coach Hackett on a day when CEO of the you know, coaches are going to finish up game FTX. planning while he was cuffed at the, the players of the are US off Justice today, Department. He will be I, I would think you're planning on Brett Rippon to be your guy. 
And I think Clint Kubiak is probably figuring that to be the case after the hit that Russell took. And, uh, you know, we'll see what Brett Rippon can do. I know backup quarterbacks are usually the most popular guys on the team. I hope Brett is successful, but I'd rather have Russell. I would have rather had Russell Wilson finish that game, Jim. I was really interested to see if he was going to be able to complete the comeback. I wouldn't have predicted it. The Broncos haven't given me enough hope and shown enough consistently good play to predict that. But it wasn't out of the realm of possibility the way that Russell Wilson was playing at that point in time. Yeah, and I do think that we saw why the Broncos went out and made that trade for Russell Wilson. We we, we saw that Sunday with the three-touchdown game. The interception by Gay, sometimes you just have to go, that was a heck of a play. And on, on the pick six when he's trying to throw it out in the flat, I just think that we saw some of the the best work we've seen from Russell Wilson this season, and sadly, unfortunately, like you said, we didn't get a chance to see it to completion because of of, of the hit that he took, but I think there were some things to be encouraged about in regard to what you saw from him on Sunday and from the Broncos' offense. I agree, and I think it was clear that we also saw the Broncos' offensive line just really show you know, why it has struggled with all of the backups to the backups to the backups in. I mean, Dalton Reisner's stock went up because Luke Wattenberg is not ready to be an NFL offensive lineman. Quinn Bailey is a step above Wattenberg, and uh, Natani Moody was the best of the three, and he had his moments where he looked like he was struggling because he was struggling. So, you know, all of that to say that the Broncos offense did some really good things while being completely depleted. And again, injuries aren't an excuse, Jim, but they are a factor. And I, I look, I said it after the game, the standard is not fighting hard, battling throughout and and coming close. But in a year when those things have been hard to come by and we haven't seen those things consistently. I'll take those positives in a loss to a team that I thought was going to come in and steamroll the Broncos, quite honestly. Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network with us today on the Team Sports Network. Is there a path still available to Nathaniel Hackett to remain the head coach of this team? Because I think seeing the offense do what it did on Sunday, coming back from a 27-0 deficit, which give the defense credit, the defense Helped to make that happen with the the two Josie Jewell picks and then Patrick Sertan later on. But say Denver goes out, plays better offensively, whoever's quarterback in this team down the stretch, and they, they go out and say they, they win three out of four. Would that be enough to save Hackett's job, or is it too late in your opinion? Boy, I, I um, personally, I don't think so. But if you're asking what do I think the Broncos think, I'm not sure. I, I do know that they're thinking, and I do know that there have been, uh, I mean, there had to, there have probably been conversations surrounding every possible option that the Broncos have as an organization as it relates to Coach Hackett and maybe others as well. But here's the problem, Jim. We, we had the same type of conversation about five or six weeks ago, right? Well, when, when the topic first started coming up about Coach Hackett's future. Well, if he can turn it around, if they can show some improvement offensively, they haven't shown any of that. This was the first time that they had shown any kind of spark that actually led to a reasonably productive day. It just happened to come against the best 
scoring offense in the National Football League, and they came up short because of it. So is there a path? Yeah, I think theoretically there is a path, but is it a realistic one? Well, I'm not ready to say that what I saw Sunday is going to become a trend or a pattern. I have to wait until it is because the only trend we've seen is that the Broncos' offense has really, really struggled this year. And one game does not change that in the big picture for me. If it turns out that it, it becomes a Broncos do win three of the next four and four um, and close out with, with five pretty good games and all of them are pretty productive offensively, I think that's probably a conversation to be had. But I still think it's a tough sell to the fan base, and it might be a tough sell to Russell Wilson in that offense as well. Mike Boone most likely done for the rest of the season with the high ankle sprain. And so now, I mean, it's everybody that was there to start the season, from Javante Williams to Melvin Gordon to Mike Boone, those guys are all gone now, either injured yeah. and or no longer on this football team. And so... What, what I mean? What are you hearing in regard to the the next player that they may bring in to fill in that running back spot? Yeah, I haven't really heard anything. Obviously, you'd think they'd have to do something, and I don't know if it's Divine Zigbo off the practice squad because he's been he's been a guy they've turned to. That might that's probably the easiest because he's been in the system this year. He theoretically knows more than a guy coming off the street would know, and have a better chance to contribute. Although if they elevate him, then you still might need a running back for the practice squad. I do think, Jim, as you look ahead to the offseason, that, you know, finding a productive running back, whether it be, you know, through the draft, someone you think can be productive or a veteran out there, could very well be an option now because, uh, I mean, Javante Williams, while injured early in the year, is still coming off a severe injury. And I, I know the Broncos hope that he's going to be able to bounce all the way back that's a tough injury still for a running back, even a young one. So the Broncos probably would need to protect themselves a little bit at that position. All right, Mike, I always appreciate it. Thank you so much. You got it, Jim. Have a great day. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are getting snow, but we're getting a little out here. Stay warm anyway. It's uh, it's cloudy over here right now. It's it's cloudy. Okay. but uh, we'll... You guys are always warmer than we are, so I don't know what to say. Well, we, we're in the high desert. Over here, you know, we're, there you go. Yeah, so that's why, why, why things are a little, uh, a little nicer winter time over here than it is over in your uh, your part of the country. Yeah, I love that. You can be my professor of topography. Okay, high desert, very Boy. nice. Yeah, I wouldn't rely on me for much more than that. That's as, that's as <laughs> good right as with it, you, man. I'm that's right as good you. as it's going to get this morning, Mike. Trust me, uh, from from a knowledge standpoint, I appreciate it, Mike. Take care. All right, Jim, thanks. Take right. care. You too. All right, Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network. We're going to talk with uh, Clint Trujillo, Central Warriors wrestling coach, coming up in just a moment. So do you have some thoughts on, is, is there a path for Nathaniel Hackett to still be the coach of this team in 2023? Give us a call, shoot us a text, Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. And... You know, I, I think whatever the Broncos do in the offseason, it starts with what they do up front. Draft, free agency, the offensive line has to improve. They have to make changes there. Because, I mean, it can't get much worse. Because look, I mean, look, Dalton Reisner, who's taken some steps back, look how much they missed him on Sunday. 
He's taking as, as, steps back like he's in pass pro. That's how quickly exactly. he's regressed. But Luke Wattenberg made, made you pine for Dalton Reisner on Sunday. Yeah. They have players that teams should target in free agency for, for next season. Mm-hmm. They have the Broncos targeting defensive lineman for the Cardinals, Zach Allen. That they feel like that they need to to add some some depth on the defensive line, which I'm going okay. What about what about the offensive line? Interesting thing in this uh, article in the Athletic, they feel like the Washington Commanders should go after Tom Brady. We'll see what happens there. All right, it's uh, eight thirty nine. We'll take a break. We'll have pole dancing coming up a little bit, but up next we're going to talk Central Warriors wrestling, the Warrior Classic. Starts this Friday out at Central High School. Clint Trujillo, Central's head coach, joins us next on the Team Sports Network. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Central Warrior Sports on the Jim Davis Show. Our conversation with Warriors head wrestling coach Clint Trujillo brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison Call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Clint Trujillo joins us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. Good morning, Clint. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, exciting week. It's the Warrior Classic coming up on Friday, and that means for you and, and the staff out at Central, it's a, it's a hectic week with uh, getting brackets out and all the, all the preparations that go into the Warrior Classic. Yeah, it's very busy um, from, you know, finding table help, making sure the hospitality room set, you know, finding workers all over the place, you know, everything. It's, it's, I'll be happy when uh, this part's over and I can just concentrate a little bit more just on wrestling. <laughs> well, when, when you look at who you have this year, and I know we've had the chance to talk a little bit, uh, you know, out of football games and when we've ran into each other, I know you're really excited about your team's chances this year. You've got 10 wrestlers that are ranked right now. On on the mat, uh, Elijah Hernandez, 106 pounds, uh, Hassan Mains at 132, and Dagan Harris at 150, Devin Hickey at 165. They're all uh, ranked fifth in their weight classes. So, uh, like I said, 10 ranked wrestlers. And, and kind of take us through the start of the season for your wrestling team and and just uh, where you feel like your guys are right now. Um, beginning of the year, we did pretty well. Uh, we went out to Mesa Duels. Uh, we ended up going five and zero. They wrestled really tough, and uh, the effort was there. And you know the things you can control. You know your effort, your attitude. That's what you know the boys are really doing really well this year. Um, as long as that effort's there, we can keep improving. And then the second week, this last weekend, we did end up going up to Utah, and we wrestled pretty much the top teams in Utah. Frida was there also, and. Um, Man, they there's some solid teams up there. Our boys wrestled pretty well still. Um, like again, the effort was there, and um, we ended up only going three and five. But uh, all of them are really close duels, except for one. I mean, close duels one way or the other against all top ranked teams from Wyoming and Utah. So the boys are wrestling really well. I'm excited. Yeah, that was at the Wasatch Intermountain Duels in Heber City. Uh, as you mentioned, you went what three and five overall. You went three and one though on Saturday, so it was a a good finish for your wrestling team. And Elijah Hernandez at one hundred and six, he uh, was eight and zero. He had one forfeit, but he had five pins. 
Uh, Dagan Harris will 157-1 with a couple of forfeits and four pins. But those two guys in particular, Hernandez and Harris, uh, had a good weekend for you at the at the Wasatch Intermountain Duels. Yeah, for sure. Um, Eli, uh, 106-pounder, he's really been wrestling tough. Uh, he just has no quit. Uh, it doesn't matter what the score is. He's constantly trying to to uh, score. And uh, I'm just really pleased of his effort and everything that he's doing. Um, Dagan, one of my seniors, he's been wrestling tough, uh, he, he, just like Eli. Um, actually, all of them, all the boys are just wrestling just like this. I mean, it doesn't matter what the score is. Um, they're all still trying to score, whether they're up, whether they're down. They're all still trying to get pins. It doesn't matter. So their, their effort's just been great, and I'm just excited about this season. Central Warriors boys wrestling coach Clint Trujillo with us today on the Team Sports Network. I uh, don't want to leave out your other ranked wrestlers, uh, Clint, with J.P. Espinosa, 13th of 113, William Dean, 14th of 138, Tyler Zeke, 14th of 190, uh, 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 Javian Hernandez, uh, 8th at 285, and Cale Bilhew, 14th at uh, 285. So those guys are also ranked and guys you have big expectations for as well. Oh, for sure. All of them... Uh... Like I said, they, a couple of them actually dropped weights, and so they're not up to the same weights. But, um, I mean, I could go through each one of them and just tell you, like, positive things that have been happening. And there's, of course, areas that they all need to work on. But, you know, everyone's attitude in the room, the culture in the room, has been uh, really a positive, good thing. And I'm just excited how much they're caring about each other. Rather than, I know roughing a little bit more of an individual sport, but they're all really focusing on trying to make each other better rather than, you know, just worrying about themselves so much. So it's a really good thing. There's a couple of uh, wrestlers that, that you have right now, Clint, that you're really, you're really pleased with the progress you've seen maybe from some of the summer workouts to where they are right now. Um, well, I'll tell you, with... I think J.P. Espinoza and um, Tyler Zeke did the most off-season. We I tried to create as many opportunities as possible with the wrestling, the with wrestling camps and clinics, and of course uh, off-season weights and practices and all that. And I mean, those two didn't miss a single thing. And in fact, I think um, like even Tyler Zeke. Besides all the camps we went to, he went to an extra one. So he went from, like, one of the camps we were at, left that camp to a different camp, um, to CSU Pueblo camp, and then he actually came back to a different camp up at Western with us, met us there. So he was just, like, he wrestled nonstop. And it really shows, I mean, both those boys, I mean, just as much effort as they put in, the the growth that they put in, they're going to be – they're going to be shocking some people. They bet, nobody better overlook them, that's for sure. Clint Rio, Central Warriors wrestling coach with us on the team. The Warrior Classic starts Friday out at Central High School. So, Clint, you've, of course, you have a chance to, to look at the brackets, uh, helping to organize uh, the, the Warrior Classic. Maybe a weight class in the upper weights, a, late, a weight class in the lower weights, that if you're a wrestling fan, are, are kind of must-see uh, brackets to look at, weights to look at when you go out to the Warrior Classic this weekend. Actually, our brackets aren't even made yet. You haven't even made the book. You'll, you'll <laughs> no, get, it'll happen. You'll get there. But, I mean, t- yeah. <laughs> who do you think? Is there a couple right now you can just kind of give a, a sense of a couple of brackets that, you know, weight classes that might be ones you really, you know, you're, because of a lot of the, the top-ranked wrestlers are competing, 
that um, that might be you know of an interest to, to fans going out to watch it? Um, well, I know Uinta has two returning uh, state champions, and they have I think five or six returning uh, state placers. And one of them I know is at 190. Um, there's some pretty tough kids I know that's going to be right in that area. That's where Tyler Zeke is, one of our boys. Um, I'm really excited to see how we uh, fare in that way, class. Um, another one is, I mean, there's just, honestly, that <laughs> it's so good. It's I mean, it's tough. such a great it's tournament. Tough. Yeah. It's tough, from top to bottom. It really is. I mean, every single weight class is going to be, you know, oh, this kid's done that, that kid's state place, or that kid's done this, this kid's won that. And it's, I mean, almost every single weight class is going to be exciting to watch. Clint, can you give us details about tickets and everything uh, for uh, the Wear Classic starting on Friday? Yeah, well, the rounds on Friday, um, it's going to start at 10 o'clock. Um, then on Saturday, wrestling is going to be starting at nine o'clock. Um, there are, I don't actually don't have it in front of me. Our AD is kind of in charge of it, but I believe it's twenty dollars to come in for the entire um, weekend. And the finals should be starting right around three o'clock, I believe. Um, of course, it just depends a little bit on you know how fast uh, matches go. If there's pins, overtimes, and you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But um, we're planning on starting finals at three o'clock, and it should be a good one. It should be a great tournament. All right, looking forward to it. The Warrior Classic. Ted DeCray started back in 1976. It continues on now with Clint Trujillo as the head wrestling coach at Central. Clint, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, thank you for having me on. All right, take care, Clint Trujillo, coach of the Central Warriors wrestling team, with us on the program, and uh, we're going to jump right into some pole dancing this morning. We got it together, didn't we? Coming to the stage, yeah. it's Amber. Wait, Remember, everybody, $14 Kamikaze. Let me ask you a question. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it, it's really, really nice. Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. All right, normally do top five NFL, top five college football, and something else. But today, since... College football is pretty much, you know, we're got it nailed down. Playoffs, yeah, it's pretty well. Bowl set. games, so Good. don't have to find a way to leave that other team out of the top five. It's very helpful. No, well, I'm, I did that just for you. I appreciate that. Thank you. My so, my mind was being strained to its limit. So we're just going with top five NFL mm-hmm. and our top five favorite college quarterbacks of all time. Are these favorite or best? Could be best. Okay, I, could, I did I could, best. I, I did best too. Because my favorites would be yeah, probably some other ones. Yeah. So I'm Ohio sorry. State. Best. Okay. Best. The ones I'm we think you. are the best. So here we go. Start out with the NFL. Honorable mention this week for me. I have the Dallas Cowboys that come from behind win against Houston. Mm-hmm. I've got them honorable mention this week. My honorable mention is the best team in the state of Ohio, the Cincinnati Bengals. It pains me to say, but damn, they're pretty good. And we talked about Joe Burrow. He was on the Manning cast last night, and uh, I have the Bengals. Nine and four is my honorable mention. I have the aforementioned Bengals as my number five team right oh, now, the you. surging yeah. Cincinnati Bengals at number five. The surging Bengals at five. I have uh, down to uh, the pretty, pretty good Brock Purdy. 
I have uh, San Francisco at number five, also at nine and four. I have the Niners and Brock Purdy oh. sitting pretty good at number four right now. So I have. Are we through, uh, are we through with the Purdy thing? Th- okay. No, no, no. There's three okay. weeks left. Four weeks okay. left in the regular season. Playoffs. Playoffs. Oh, playoffs. Uh, I have the ten and three Dallas Cowboys. Yes, it was Houston, but that's still kind of a gutty win, right? Ninety-eight yards, touchdown, punch it in. I have Dallas number four. I have Buffalo number three. Agreed. It wasn't pretty against the Jets, but got the job done. Jets are better than they yeah. they've been in quite some time. Uh, I've got KC number two, Philadelphia number one. Same. All right, so we move on to our top five best college quarterbacks, and. I, I guess I'll put these in order. Okay. Because I kind of put them up here. Uh, Sam Bradford's my honorable mention, by the way. That's a good one. Those days at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I've got Doug Flutie number five. Oh yeah. I I have guys that I just that I remember watching. And this I is kind of my yeah. even though one of these guys is not a guy that I watched because it was <laughs> before I was born. Uh, but my honorable mention: Deshaun Watson back to back years of 4,100 passing yards, championship, two top three Heisman campaigns, and then at number five, I have Vince Young, 6,000 yards passing, 3,000 yards rushing. Pretty darn good. I've got uh, Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota is my number four quarterback on this list. He's a good one. I have a back-to-back champ, a Heisman runner-up, Tommy Frazier, number four. Not bad. Not bad. I've got Roger Staubach, the, the one that obviously I didn't see play because he was... Oh, you throw the obvious in there. <laughs> Just to be safe. I mean, yeah. put put Navy on the map. He was Heisman Trophy winner. True. Yeah. Went on to be pretty darn good NFL quarterback. Yeah. He's your number three. I have uh, PFM, 11,000 passing yards, 89 touchdowns for Peyton Manning. I wanted PFM on here, but man, the, the year that Cam Newton had was pretty good. Yeah. I've got Cam Newton... Number two on my list. Mine are more career oriented because there's a lot of guys that really good season. Like yeah. uh, Troy Smith won the Heisman; he yeah. had a good season, stuff like that. But Matt Leimer won a Heisman, oh, yeah. ten thousand yards passing, ninety nine touchdowns, back to back champs. If you look in the right uh, areas, Matt Leimer had a pretty good career. Call and and here's player. one that'll make those in Broncos country happy that yeah. still love this guy, Tim Tebow. Florida quarterback. As I much mean, as it pains me to say. Damn, he was good. He was pretty damn good. Heisman winner, a champion, two other Heisman top fives. Yeah. I have Tim Tebow at the top. All right. See, we don't hate Tim. Very well could have actually been right-handed. Just refused to yeah. use it the way he threw the football with the left hand. But he's he's a winner. Just not necessarily a great winner in the NFL. Nope. All right. That's our top five best college quarterbacks. Next hour, it's Mav Day. We'll talk with Cutter Mason women's coach Taylor Wagner, men's coach Mike DeGeorge. Mavericks, by the way, play Adams State this Saturday at 1100 KNZZ at 4 and 6 o'clock, by the way. So the times are different than they are normally. Uh, We'll have Mav Day coming up next right here on the Team Sports Network.